0: Well, good evening. evening. It's great to see so many here tonight. It's great that we can gather from across the village and beyond to be here and to praise the Lord. Those of you that don't know me, I'm Keith, and I'm the minister here at Linfield URC. And tonight is just too good An opportunity to miss. So um, just bear with me a second or two. (laughs) I'm sure we'll just, uh, if it'll recognize my thumbprint. Yeah, that's good. Make sure it's um, facing the right way, that way. Do, do, do. And I have a little gadget in my pocket, which hopefully will do the job it's supposed to. If I turn it on, which I meant to. Right, I'm here. You're here. Everybody smile. Yeah, almost got everybody in. Yeah, let's try that again. Yay. I think I'm missing there. Oh, there we go. I'll try that. A nice little selfie. You know, last night, during the Eurovision Song Contest, there was a time in between the final song and uh, before, just as the voting was about to get underway, where Justin Timberlake was there in the green room area. And immediately that he appeared... You could see some of the participants getting their phones out, you know, and it was kind of how can I do this without getting caught on the TV camera? How can we get the selfie? Wherever there is a big gathering, wherever there is someone famous, wherever there is a fantastic view these days, somebody is getting it out. And trying to get themselves in the shot. Tonight's passage is about getting yourself in the shot. It's about getting yourself in the picture, about making sure that you are part of it. There, of course, was no mobile phones, no digital cameras, no film cameras even back 2,000 years ago in the first century. But the words recorded by Luke in Acts 2 of what Peter was saying to the people in Jerusalem sets your picture before you. It paints an image of what has happened in the life of Christ. Jesus has performed miracles, which are acts of God's power. He has done wonders, which are things that provoke astonishment. And he has brought signs, which will reveal spiritual truth. And the people that were in this crowd knew of this. They knew of all these wonderful things that had happened And many of them in that crowd might have been witnesses to it. They might have seen something. And might have thought, wow, what an attractive guy to be with. I wonder if I can just get a snapshot. Can I get close? Can I be seen with him? Just for a moment. But then there's the challenge of getting the right selfie. You know, many of us take them from up high, not just so that we can see the big scene, but it's because if you're looking up, your eyes are bigger and your chin is smaller. It gives you a better appearance to the camera. But if you get the angle wrong, from down here, you look a bit gruff. Getting the angle wrong in our lives is a problem. And we can seem gruff. And we can get it wrong. Peter continues to talk of the life of Christ. And he moves on to discuss his death. And the emphasis in that is you. The people that are gathered. Jesus was handed over to you. You, with the help of wicked men, nailed him to the cross. It was us who took him there. And at this point, those in that crowd must have started to feel something burning within. It's something for us today that we might recognize what we did. But it's only a few weeks on from the crucifixion. And it may well be that there are those in that crowd that are gathered together that witnessed the trial with Pilate. There might well be those present that saw Jesus struggling to walk down the street with the weight of the cross on his shoulders. There might be those there. That saw him lifted high with a crown of thorns upon his head. That's not the image you want to have in your album, is it? Now, I was there. We might sing at Easter, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? It's the something there within us starts to shake. And say, is that the picture I really want to take? That I did this to him. I'll not bother with that image perhaps. It causes pain. I want to back away from it. Yet in the text, we hear Peter saying something. And it starts to turn things. Because we hear that this shocking scene is part of God's deliberate plan. And it was a plan which allows us to be forgiven. It's a plan that allows us to have hope. It's a plan which maybe at the time lured the evil one briefly into a false sense of personal satisfaction. But Satan will never win. For the second phrase I want to point out to you is where Peter talks of the agony of death. And that word agony is actually the word that's usually used for a birth pang. In that moment of death, in that moment of pain, something new is beginning. Something new is being born. Hope is coming out of the situation. Life is beginning. And this is made real this gruesome death giving hope, is made real to all come the Easter morning. The man has gone from being seen simply as the storyteller, the one that does the special act, the one that can pull in the crowds through a death that many of the closest friends couldn't watch, to the triumphant Lord bringing new life And as Peter continues to tell this story, he invokes memories of King David, of the Psalms. And then he points his lens heavenwards to the throne at the right-hand side of the Father. The Son of Man, the Son of God is exalted. It's an image kind of beyond what we can point our lens at, even. Peter's testimony of Christ's life and death and resurrection cuts to the heart. And yet the story's not finished. Because it's not yet got to that day or that morning. And the events that have a crowd before him. Because the final point is still to be made about what has happened. The Lord has poured out the Holy Spirit. The Lord has poured out the Spirit. And the Spirit is declared to be the source of the hubbub that was there earlier in the day. The spirit has enabled Peter, this Galilean fisherman, this uneducated soul, to suddenly speak with the eloquence of a lawyer. It was the spirit that enabled people from across the Mediterranean to feel that they were welcomed in the holy city, that there were people that They could understand that there was worship that they could connect to. That they weren't being pushed out. Earlier in the day, in verse 12, the people were asking, what does this mean? What does all these things we encounter mean? But now there's a new question. What must we do? What must we do when we hear the story of Christ on the cross? What must we do when we hear that God has poured out his Holy Spirit? What must we do to come close to this God that has done so much? The people see their separation from the Lord. They understand what has happened. But they also see that Peter and the disciples do not have a fear of judgment. They see the believers as being in the image. How do I become part of this picture that Peter has managed to get himself into. How do I do it? And that's a question for us today. How do I become part of that? And the answer that Peter gave was that they must repent and be baptised. The baptism marking the end of the old self and the commitment to the new life in Christ. Now we often think of it as being believe, repent and be baptised. Those three points go together, don't they? But already Peter doesn't have to say the word believe to the crowd because they do believe. They're already saying, what do I do? They know who the Lord is. Because Peter has just told them. and And they are accepting it. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. When they do that, when they change when they mark the change and commit themselves, the Holy Spirit will be given to them too. And Peter says, it's not just for you. It's not just this day. It's not just for this generation. It's for the generations that come after you. Those generations will have the opportunity To receive the Holy Spirit too. When they become believers. And so we see 3,000 come. That's about. Just over half the population of Linfield. Coming to the Lord in one day. But that's a challenge for us. For those of us who have already believed and repented and been baptized, that's a challenge for us to think, actually, we're gathered here as three churches. There's not 3,000 here, is there? There's a whole community out there. And there's something about taking the hubbub of earlier in that day out with them. Onwards. A growing community. The Holy Spirit is given to mark the individual as a member of the body of Christ. But it's also there to equip them. It's there to encourage them. It's there to lead them. It's there to encourage, to lead. To inspire us. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. That we might serve God's purpose. That we might proclaim his greatness. That we might see 3,000 come in a day. And we might sit here and laugh and go, well, that's not going to happen then, is it? But the Holy Spirit has equipped us and enabled us to take his word on. Because we have this spirit not for our personal gratification. Not just to make us happy. Not just to get us as an individual into that picture with Jesus the Lord. But we have the Holy Spirit so that God's glory may become wider and wider known. So, when you leave here at the end of the night, having enjoyed the worship, having maybe got something out this sermon, having maybe a story to tell about something else, maybe about having a cup of tea, go out into the world and don't keep the story to yourself. Spread the good news. Amen.